And so we are at the beginning of chapter 7, and uh, we're going to read the first 12 verses there. And if you don't have a Bible, the, the blue Bible in front of you, page 812. And Jesus is outside of his adult hometown called Capernaum, probably sitting on a hillside. And he's got a, a sort of the first ring of his immediate disciples. And then a lot of people have been hearing about Jesus. He's been doing some miraculous things at this point, come to hear what he has said. And this particular passage is very interesting, very unusual, and very challenging. And I would say first, it's very interesting because in these 12 verses are contained two of the most popular verses in all the Bible. Uh, many non-Christians would be very familiar with these verses. Verse 1, judge not uh, that you not be judged. Judge not that you be not judged. And then verse 12, so whatever you wish, this is the golden rule, for whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So here you have this, uh, you know, you shouldn't judge because um, you might be judged and treat others how you would want others to treat you, the golden rule. So it's very interesting. You have these two very famous verses in these 12 verses. It's very unusual because it looks like Jesus contradicts himself. I mean, he starts right out of the gate saying, do not judge. But then in verse 5, he calls some people hypocrites. So that sure sounds like judgmental to me. And then worse than that, in verse 6, he compares some people to dogs and hogs. So I'm not sure if you like hypocrites better or being called a dog or a hog. And then in verse 15, which we won't read, he calls people false prophets. So was it Jesus was saying, do not judge, and then a few verses later he goes, oops, oh gosh, I'm sorry, I was judging. Uh, answer, no. So what is he saying? We're going to talk about that. So it's unusual, and it's challenging because it's difficult to know how uh, this passage in the Sermon on the Mount is divided. If you're looking at a, an ESV version, it's probably divided into three sections. The first sections, one through six, is judging others. The second section, 7 through 11, is asking or praying. And then verse 12 through 14 is the golden rule. So it looks like it's three different things. Jesus is saying three distinct things. And I'm going to suggest that he's saying one something, he's saying one thing through 12 verses, 1 through 12. So I don't prefer the way the ESV has divided it. Uh, so I think the best way to think about it is in chapters 5 and 6, he's, he's invited us into the kingdom of heaven. And he's basically said, well, now that you're in the kingdom of heaven, how do you live? How are you supposed to behave? What's your character uh, in the kingdom of heaven? Or, or he's teaching us about maybe you would say personal righteousness in the first two chapters. And then, and it's anger, lust, integrity, money, prayer, anxiety. Then in chapter 7, he shifts from personal righteousness to relationships. First of all, let's get ourselves right. How are we supposed to personally live? What's our character? But then we're also in a community, and how do we get along in this community? What's, how do we deal with each other? And he zeroes in on conflict management. I don't know if any of you all have a need for a conflict management course. But Jesus basically gives it to us here in these first 12 verses. You're, you're, you're trying to enter into a relationship with somebody and you're going to have to offer something corrective. There's some faulty thinking. 
There's some behaviors that need to change or be modified in some way, and you're entering in. Well, what's the best way to enter in? What's, what should be your attitude as you enter into that particular situation? And I think Jesus gives us some help. And so I would, I would implore everyone to lean in, because I think everybody needs this. But I would especially ask if you're a teenager. And the reason I'm saying it's not because I think you get into more conflict, although maybe you do. Uh, It's because right now you're forming a foundation of how you're going to deal with conflict for the rest of your lives. And most of what you're learning is from your parents. And hopefully that's good. But even if you don't have a good model at home, Jesus is going to tell you mostly how to deal with conflict right here. So if you could get this as like your foundational block of how to deal with conflict, this is going to save you so many problems in your life. And so Jesus is an excellent teacher here. He's going to help us. And I'm going to read these first 12 verses out of chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly and take the speck out of your brother's eyes. Do not do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So... Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So let's take a few minutes to reflect on Jesus' words. I think the best way to think about this passage in terms of conflict management is in three steps. So what, what are my three steps? And you can go through this in your mind when you find yourself in this particular uh, situation. First, I need to evaluate. So evaluation, second, prayer, and third, application. So I I sense I'm in a community. I sense there's some kind of issue that I'm going to be engaged with. It might be with one person. It might be a group. And so Jesus outlines, I think, a three-step process. First, let's evaluate. Second, let's pray. And then let's have the right application. How do we step into the actual situation? So first, verses 1 through 6, I think, is about evaluation. And I was listening to somebody else's sermon, and I think this pastor was a little hipper than I am, which is, I know, hard to believe. But he called this, focus on your own bad self. So the first start in your conflict management is to focus on your own bad self. Because what happens in conflict management is I would like to focus on your own bad self. And Jesus is saying, I need you to step back and focus on your own bad self. And the the picture that I've given a lot of times in iron leadership is when you're playing baseball and you're an outfielder 
and the ball comes off the bat, you have to judge, well, where is this ball going to go? And sometimes it's hard to say, is it going to be over my head? Is it going to be in front of me? What is it? And the, and the good instructors will t- teach the outfielder their first step has to be back. And the reason is, is because you can't quite judge it, and you can run forward a lot faster than you can run backwards. So if you if you misjudge and you're already going forward to stop your momentum and then go backwards is a lot harder than if you're going back and saying, hey, I think it's in front of me and to go forward. So essentially, Jesus is saying in your conflict management, you got to have a first step and I want your first step to be backwards. Now, this all by itself could save you worlds of problems. I will not ask for a show of hands who can think readily of a situation that you would, would say, oh, it would have been so much easier if I had taken a step back first. But I evaluated a situation and, boom, I was going forward. And then I got into th- something and I went, uh, I, I came in the wrong way. I came in with the wrong attitude. Now i got to back up. It's a lot harder to back up. So Jesus is trying to say, hey, let's focus on your own bad self. And part of that is let's take a step back first. So judge not that you be not judged. Understand that for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. If you give out a certain measure, then that measure you should expect would would come back to you. So almost everybody knows this Bible verse. And it gets used, and you've probably used it, kind of like an escape hatch. Somebody confronts you, and they're probably right on it, but when somebody confronts you, you you always want to peel back. And the way you do it is say, judge not, so that you not be judged. I mean, this doesn't work really well if you're a middle schooler, and your parent comes into you and say, you know, your room is a disaster. I would not recommend you saying, judge not, mom, that you not be judged. But see, it's like an escape hatch. In other words, you know you got a problem, but you don't really want to be confronted with a problem. So you sort of pull it out like a weapon saying, hey, you can't touch me because, you know, you don't want to be judged. And so my question is, is Jesus saying here that we should never uh, evaluate behavior? We should, should never call anything wrong or evil. We, we should suspend all of our critical thinking. Is that what he's saying? And the answer is obviously no. It's no for so many reasons, but the easiest reasons you can pick up on are just in the passage itself. And I mentioned a couple of them. First of all, right afterwards, he calls some people, he makes an evaluation that they're hypocrites. They say one thing, but they do something else. So he's not suspending uh, his critical thought. Number two, he does make a comparison to people. I don't think he calls people dogs and hogs, but I think he makes a comparison. And I don't know if that makes you feel better, but he does make that comparison. Verse 15, he terms some people as false prophets. And then I want you to notice verse 11, because I think this is I would have loved to have seen the disciples reaction here. He's trying to say, hey, when you pray, you should understand God wants to give generously. He wants to he wants to hear what you say and he wants to supply just like you. If you were a father, your children come to you, you want to supply. And then he said, notice that it says, if you then and he's looking at his disciples, not looking at people outside, he's looking at these disciples. He said, hey, you guys, if you then you who are evil. Uh, 
You imagine the disciples going, I think he just called us evil. Answer, he did compared to him. And do you see what he's saying? I'm I'm not suspending my judgment in some way. What Jesus is saying is, I don't want you to have a judgmental attitude. And you know that comes from, you know that comes, it comes in that way because Paul in Romans 14, 10, it says, why do you judge your brother? Why do you look down on him? See, if your posture is looking down, that's what Jesus wants to arrest. He wants to arrest a, a judgmental attitude. He's coming in and says, don't judge. When you come into a place where you're having conflict, let's not come in looking down. Let's, let's come in with an attitude not of superiority, but of service. Let's come in not with an attitude of condemnation, but caring. So he's trying to arrest this attitude of coming in with this judgmental view. So the very first thing he wants to do, you see an issue, you feel like you need to get involved with the issue, and you may. But first of all, let's just step back and just sort of check the, our attitude gauge. Because so often when you, when, you, when you rush in, you kind of have a downward-looking view. You have this superiority feeling. Here's a couple of ways to tell if you have a judgmental attitude. You think something like this. God wants me to enter into the conflict in this community in order to fix this person. Warning, warning, warning. How many really love it when people come to you and say, I feel like God wants me to fix you? Let's see a big show of hands on that. Do you go, oh, joy. I'm so glad, brother, you came into my life with, you want to fix me. No. You have the very opposite reaction. So if, you, if you're coming into a situation and you're thinking, I'm here to fix this person, you want to step back. You want to check that gauge of judgmentalism. You want to check that downward looking. Or I think of people more like projects or problems rather than people. I'm coming into a situation, and really this person, they're not really a person. They're a problem. They're a project. How many, again, love to be treated as a project? See, see nobody likes that. You, you sense it. You smell it right away. Somebody comes in and says, they're here to fix you. You're a big problem. You're a project. Immediately, you're very resistant to even if they tell you the truth. You're already resistant to what they say. So the first thing is that we want to we want to step back. We want to check our judgmental attitude. Now, some of you are old enough to remember this, uh, the song, We Are the World. Remember this song? Very popular song. Forty six different musicians that were popular whenever the song was it an 80s or 90s thing. Whenever it was whatever it's made, 46 different, very popular voices made this one song. We are the world. And when you entered the studio, there was a sign above the door. Check your ego at the door. So imagine you're the headliner for a rock concert. And there's 46 headliners. So the producer, Quincy Jones, says, hey, everybody's ego got drop that off at the door. It's the same thing when you're entering into conflict. Check your judgmental attitude at the door, please. Do enter in. 
You are going to have to enter in. That's part of being in a community. You're going to have to enter into people's lives. But when you enter in, please check your judgmental attitude at the door. Even if you're right and you come in with a judgmental attitude, it's not going to bear good fruit. You know this. So you can say, well, I was right. Hmm, I don't I don't think you were right in the approach. And if you don't have the right kind of approach, the information you're going to share with the person never going to reach the destination because you have come in with a, a downward looking view. You're you're here to fix somebody. Somebody's a, a problem, not a person. Somebody's a project, not a, a human being. So we want to step back. Then then we want to take a second step back while we're stepping back. We're checking our attitude. And then the second thing he wants to he wants us to examine not just our attitude, but do you have any faults in this situation? Is there is there a log in your own eye that you need to have addressed before you go address a speck in somebody else's? And I think this is Jesus attempt at humor. My guess is when he said it, the disciples were like, oh, that's funny. That's what I'm imagining. Because it's so ridiculous. And I'm imagining that Jesus gets this illustration because he was a carpenter. So he would have to create these projects out of wood. And I'm just imagining that you're sitting there and there's a big log on the table. And we're going to end up making that into something. And you swing the axe. And a little tiny chip, a little fleck of wood goes floating off and lands in somebody else's eye. But because you're mishit, the log jumps back and goes into your own eye. And you got an eye, a log in your eye. Blood's coming out all the place. People are screaming. And you run over to the person with a speck in their eye and say, I can help. It's absurd. But that's what people do all the time in conflict management. They have a big log in their own eye. And they're coming over to somebody who has a speck in their eye and saying, hey, I'm the one to help. And I can tell you when that person comes in, you don't want that person involved at all because they're hypocritical. They haven't done any self-examination. They haven't said, hey, I've got some issues for myself that, that need to be addressed. John Stott in his excellent commentary says this. We have a fatal tendency. Let's see if this is you. We have a fatal tendency to exaggerate the faults of others and minimize the gravity of our own. It's evident that Jesus is not condemning criticism, but rather the criticism of others when we exercise no comparable self-criticism. It's not that you can't be critical, but if you have no comparable self-criticism, you're you're not going to be a good person to, to enter in. If you lack this self-awareness that you have a log in your own eye, if you've never really experienced the emotional pain of getting a log out of your eye, how much time it takes, how hard is it to address some big problem in your own life, if you've never really done that, then you're not going to be a good eye surgeon for someone else. And I, I think Jesus is just masterful as had his illustration because think of what happens when you get like a grain of sand in your eye like everything stops right you're like oh gosh and you just you know you just and you don't want anybody near you because you, you can't even open your eye and you're trying to wash it out or do something just the, the tiniest little speck 
And, 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 and when you have that little speck, you don't want somebody coming at you saying, let me help. I have a pair of scissors. No, no. What do you want? I have a tissue. This is a very delicate operation that's going to have to go on for you. And, and I understand it's painful because I've had somebody have to operate on me. And I know how painful it is to have my faults exposed. And I've appreciated the person who's come to me with a tissue instead of a pair of scissors. So I know how embarrassing it is. I know how hard it is. But I have to help you out here. But I want you to know I'm coming with a tissue. I'm not coming with a pair of scissors. See, that's, a, that's really an emotional, mature person. They step back and they first say, do I have some kind of judgmental attitude? And am I coming down here? And then I step back and say, have I done the painful work of, of it beginning to try to exercise? I'm not going to be perfect by the time I address the person, but I'm sensitive to how hard it is because I've had to go through the surgery myself. So I come forward in this conflict with a, a kindness, with a, a gentleness and a mercy. I don't come with a pair of scissors. There's a great story about a guy, not a true story, about a guy walking down the street when he falls into a hole. And the walls are so steep he can't get out. And a doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, hey, you, can, can you help me out? And the doctor writes a prescription and throws it down the hole. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts out, Father, I'm down here in the hole. Can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer and throws it down the hole. And then his friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps down in the hole. And the guy says, are you stupid? Now we're both down here. And the friend says, yeah. But I've been down here before, and I know the way out. See, when you come in, are, are you throwing stuff down, or are you jumping down? I want you to be the guy who jumps down. I want you to be the woman who jumps down. Who doesn't come by and says, oh, I got the prescription, do this. Oh, I got the prayer, do this. I want somebody who jumps down. Why? Because I have somebody who jumped all the way down. Paul, I, I have been here before, and I can get you all the way through this life and through a gravestone. So because that's happening to me, I want to display that in my relationships when I have conflict that I have to deal with. I want to come at somebody with kindness and compassion because somebody's come to me in kindness and compassion. They haven't looked down. They've come down. They, they haven't come as a superiority. They've come as a servant. So we all have that models as Christians. We're all living in this community, and, and we want to be that guy. Now, the third part of this evaluation is this one sentence parable in verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is a very odd parable. And it's hard to know exactly what Jesus is trying to get at, but I don't think Jesus is calling people dogs and hogs. I think he's comparing them 
Again, I don't know if that makes you feel better. But what, what, what Jesus is saying is that there are holy things, there are pearls. That's the truth of the gospel, the truth of the scripture. And he's saying that some people are like hogs and dogs. They, they don't have a desire to digest the truth. You can throw them a great pearl. You can throw a great pearl to a hog, and he might think it's a, a peanut. But then he finds out, I can't eat this. But guess who I can eat? You. So he gets angry, and he begins to attack you. You're throwing things out that he can't digest. So he's going to get angry at you. And I want you to please notice that Jesus, in the parable, he's not correcting the dogs and the hogs. He's correcting the person who's giving out the information. The dogs and the hogs are just acting naturally. The person he wants to address is the person who's feeding this person. And what he's trying to say, and this is very important to see, is that you could be correcting someone, you could be pushing the truth onto someone that's having a destructive effect because they're not ready to hear it. And that's on you, not on them. And you might have somebody like this. You might have somebody who you work with or some family member or friend. They're, they're just boiling for a fight. They're, they're angry and antagonistic. You know, if you go home for Christmas or Thanksgiving, you're like, oh, I just hope I don't get seated next to him because he's always asking me something. He really doesn't want to hear the truth or she really doesn't want to hear the truth. And it just always spirals out of control. But if you're the person constantly trying to feed the truth to this person and they're not ready for it, and you don't have the wisdom to step back and say, hey, speaking the truth here wouldn't be helpful, then that's on you or that's on us. One commentator says this, as messengers of God's truth, we must honor the pace of God in their lives. God has a pace for everybody. And you can't speed that pace up. If somebody's going to process the truth, first of all, they have to have the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Or else they will not hear it. They will not respond to it. If you're not sensitive to that, you're going to make people angry. And instead of trying to consume the truth, they're going to try to consume you. So when you step back, you're evaluating yourself. Then you're evaluating the situation. Is this a place to come in? This person may not be ready to hear the truth. Good example of this, Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, they're on their first missionary journey. It says this, the Jews were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against Paul. And Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, saying, we had to speak the word of God to you first. But since you've rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we are turning away from you and towards the Gentiles. But the Jews stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet in protest against them and moved on to the next town. Sometimes you have to shake the dust off your feet and move to the next town. Now, how do you know if you have a judgmental attitude? How do you know if this person's ready to hear the truth? How do you know if you've effectively gotten the log out of your own eye? I'm at, this sounds like... This is a lot of work before I even said anything. Yes, it is. This is how you avoid a lot of big conflicts. You do a lot of work before you get into it. So you step back and say, well, how do I know if I'm ready? And the the answer is you pray about it. And that's the second step here. God, 
I'm asking. I'm seeking. I'm knocking. Can you expose any judgmental attitude that I have? Can you expose whether I've got a log in my own eye? Can you help me know and discern, is this the place? Is this the time? Is this the person to come into the truth that's ready for the truth? And the answer is, God, so many times in your prayers helps you see things that you can't help. You can't see yourself. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've gotten into prayer about a conflict. And I think, oh, God, what you've revealed is I'm the problem. And I was just about ready to make them the problem. See, if I had stepped forward before I'd really prayed and thought about it, I would have created another problem. Or showed me something about that person that that warmed my heart to them. When I'm praying for somebody, I more have to be kind to them. If I don't have time to pray, I'm usually just a bull coming right in. Not very helpful. Not very fun to live with, I can tell you that. So I'm stepping back and I'm evaluating and I'm asking God, can, can you help me see something here that I can't see? I love this quote from the ancient, ancient philosopher Philo. He says this, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. So many times when you come into a situation, if you just knew the backstory for the person, doesn't mean that they're right, just means you'd be a lot more sympathetic to say, yeah, I understand why you've arrived at that point. So we're going to pray, and finally, the last point, quickly, we're ready to apply. We've stepped back, we've done all the evaluation. We've prayed. Now we want to step forward. How do we want to step forward? However you would want to be treated, treat the person that way. This is a whole, this is a master's course in ethics. So many times I have people come to me and say, Paul, how do I deal with this situation? And many times I say, well, if you were in that, on that side, how would you want to be dealt with? Well, I'd want somebody to say this, or I'd want them to think this, or I'd, okay, then do it that way. This will solve a lot of the conflict problems you have by just saying, uh, do I appreciate people coming in and saying, I'm ready to fix you, Paul? No. Do I appreciate coming in looking down? No. Do I appreciate people who have logs in their own eyes and they don't have the sensitivity to understand I've got my own problems? No, I don't. Do I appreciate people who haven't prayed about it? No, I don't. So why don't you do all those things? Come in with a tissue. With truth, say you got this issue. I think we need to work on it. I'm trying to jump down in the hole. I'm just trying to throw down instructions. We, we at Christ Community Church, we have to live in this community. We all don't vote the same. We all don't think the same about certain things. But we have to, we all, everybody here, I don't think I'm informing anybody. It's not a newsflash. You're a sinner. You're not a saint yet. So we're going to have that place where we have conflict. Can have that conflict out in the wider community. How do you deal with this? Jesus comes in and helps us masterfully step back, pray. And then when you step in, just treat people like you would want to be treated. Let's pray together. Lord, we are here.